everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Double Date with Dateline. Take two. We already recorded this. We recorded this. And due to just so many circumstances, this episode ended up being clocking in at around two hours and 25 minutes. We've decided to re-record to make it a shorter, more condensed version of that first episode. And I know what you're thinking. We love a long episode. The two hours and 20 minutes was technical difficulties, just ad mess ups, all sorts of stuff. They don't need to know. They don't even need to know there was a second episode. Only reason I'm bringing it up is because there is a theme throughout the episode that we're covering tonight that Kimberly did not catch on to right away. That now How she dare is f- you? Excuse me. Just through just an accident. But now she's fully aware of it. So... It's just a little bit. And I don't know how I missed it the first time. I think I need to do the recaps because if I'm not doing the recaps, I do not pay attention. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'll just follow along, Katie. It's fine. Oh, boy. But we I made missed so much detail. And yes, <laughs> I'm saying detail to try to sound fancy to make up for how dumb I was the first time we recorded this. Well, then you have to say fancy. Yeah, Fonzie. That doesn't count, which sounds like Fonzie. Hey. But this episode is called Children of the Scorn. We are back 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 again to our lovely blood relatives so we are at season five episode eight children of the scorn yes why i asked the first time i'm gonna ask again because the girl in it's a little creepy there's one child we meet one yeah. child but maybe she has a demon soul inside of her and that makes two children Plural. Well, you've seen the episode, so you know she doesn't. I think she still might. I think that this episode was supposed to be called something else, and either they couldn't get the rights or had to use it for something else, or it was an accidental in the metadata file, the person taking the edited version. Was it an accidental? I think it was accidental. You guys won't get that until you listen to it, but then you'll realize... How brilliant that was. That is so good. Yeah. What a genius you are. Yeah, because that was pretty good. But no, it's called Children of the Scorn. Ignore that title. It's very clearly supposed to be called something else. Yeah. So right off the bat, opening scene, we have a rat scurrying in some hay bales. Oh, yeah. We're doing rats. Rats. Or mice. Unsure. That's true. One I thought was a mouse. We could not figure out. I think it. we had landed on mouse. Hang on, I'm just going to give it a bing. What's the difference between a rat and a mouse? Is it the tail? Is it a ears house as well? A mouse is smaller. A mature mouse can be distinguished from a young rat. Oh, this is like a Venn diagram. Oh, I can't. By its larger ears and longer tail compared to its body length than the rat. Mice have bigger ears, like Mickey Mouse. So mice have bigger ears mm-hmm. and a longer tail. A young rat also has distinctly larger feet. I'm not looking at the size of its feet. Are they basically the same? And head compared to the body of a mouse. This is the same thing. But you just said, I don't, I just. Mice have thin, slightly hairy tails. Rats have a thicker, hairless, scaly tail. (laughs) We've turned off half of our audience. Let's continue. So a a mouse has a cuter reputation. That's unfair. Yeah. Because a rat has a scaly tail. It's really the scaly tail that just turns everyone off. Right. But maybe some people prefer that instead of a hairy tail. I don't want a hairy tail. <laughs> so we have a rat slash mouse rat scurrying in some hay bales. We know that's our 
We know that's our animal. Kimberly's friend, Brenda Strong, comes on and says, I wish. For most people, she is. Inside, she is. For most people, the passing of a pet is their first brush with death, but it's never their last. That was my best impression. How was it? It wasn't bad, but the little girl doesn't lose a pet in this episode. She seemingly never had a pet. This episode is a little all over the map in regards to what th- narration and titles, just things that are blatantly wrong, right? As opposed to most blood relatives, which are shockingly linear. <laughs> True. <laughs> but what this episode has that other blood relatives tend to not have is excessive thematic moments. There's it a does. theme in this yeah. episode. Which I runs- totally got the first time around. Sure, sure did. Yeah. But you did get accidental. So let's cl- yeah. let's cling to the things that we have, not the things that we don't have. Okay. That's a great mentality. So this little brunette child with bangs is in some sort of dark pet cemetery when that voiceover comes over. She's in a woods or a wooded area. There are wooden crosses denoting that animal. I'm assuming it's a pet cemetery. It looks, it's not, people are not buried there. She's putting something on the grave where a wooden cross is, but she's startled all of a sudden by a sound and she gets up and starts to run and it's our scary opening. We don't know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of adults with flashlights come out of nowhere and you think, oh, they're going to chase her. But no, absolutely not. They're there to collect this child from the creepy pet cemetery at night and take her in for supper question mark i thought she was gonna go run into the fields children of the corn no it's not there's no cornfield no. in this episode there's not even but you're forgetting the biggest thing about this opening scene it's in black and white until the adults show up and they are wearing pops of color mm-hmm. it's very bizarre also i didn't know that it was in black and white i thought it was in just sort of muted color and it was kimberly that pointed out to me that it was in black and white because our first hint at the theme to me, was not that. It is this next scene. But good on Kimberly for figuring out the black and white. I did not. Before I knew what the theme was. See it. So no one knows kind of what's happening. There's a child who's being brought into dinner. One child, again, not children's, child's. One being brought into the house for something. But we have opening credits and we're getting a few flashes of symbols during the opening credits. We'll get to that. We get a lot of flashes during this episode. I don't Some episodes we get them very heavily and some I feel like we don't. It could be season by season in Blood Relatives. Unsure. We haven't quite figured out the flashing of the symbols yet, but here we are. I'll add it to the murder board. Please do. This takes place in the Pacific Northwest. We are told it has temperamental weather. I think that's really a nice way of saying it's dark and rainy a lot of the Mm -hmm. time. But we meet our main person in this episode, which is Judy Hebert. And she has found a way to grow beautiful plants without sunlight because the sun never shines in the Pacific Northwest. Although in our episode, the sun is shining in every scene. Every scene. Let that be known. There's no rain. (laughs) Nary a draw. None. They're filming in Los Angeles, which does not have that much rain. And if it does, people panic. So she is in some sort of plastic sheeting greenhouse that we figure out later is her attic. But it's that sort of very dark, looks like a a dark room that you develop photos in, but she has all these plants and this sort of specialized lighting and she's spraying the plants with this very specialized silver little spray bottle can that I wrote down looks like the oil can used in the Wizard of Oz on the Tin Man. That's what it reminded me of was the oil can because it's very antique looking, this little thing. 
Check out the big brain on Katie. Check out my big brain that's going to get real. I got a big head from this episode. It doesn't happen a lot, but I was very proud of myself for figuring something out here. I didn't figure it out because she's in a Dexter-like attic Mm -hmm. covered in tarps like she's about to murder someone. You have also admitted that you half-watch because you're not doing the recap. Also, I was half-watching. I'm sure Kimberly's half-watching is me watching three times. Let's just put that out there (laughs) because I have distraction problems. So anyways, Judy, in this family, she is known for raising outstanding orchids and children. Again, one child and not the little girl we saw. We hear about one child, but both can be fickle, both orchids and children. We see right off the bat that we are getting an interview with a man named Rolf. Love that. Who is her ex-husband. Me too. Rolf. Sound of music. Yeah. He was a Nazi, but he was a cute Nazi. Is it Rolf the dog also in The Muppets? Or is it Ralph? I think it's Rolf. Yeah, I think it's Rolf. The dog who plays the piano? Yeah, that sounds right. Two good Rolfs. There we go. Yeah, one's a Nazi, but still. But he does love Liesl or he gives them up at the end? He gives them up at the end. He gives in to Nazi peer pressure, which is (laughs) the the worst kind kind of peer pressure. Famously, famously, the worst kind of peer pressure is Nazi peer pressure. So Rolf is here explaining to us all about Judy and her amazing job with plants and children. But one thing that Judy can't abide is pests invading her home or her scary attic greenhouse. So there is a rattle that we hear while she's spraying her plants and she goes around a corner and there's a little white mouse or rat trapped i think that's a mouse i see and i wrote rat the whole time i feel like it is a mouse now though so there is a mouse trapped in a little no kill mouse trap and it's one of those little cage things and she brings the little mouse downstairs and met by her precious granddaughter the little brunette with bangs that we saw in the pet cemetery doing something creepy at the beginning she might be a demon. We don't know. Granddaughter Emily, who apparently Judy loves the most of anything in the world. They go outside together. They set this little mouse free. And now we meet Emily's actual mother. Wait, but they set it in free in the yard. Yeah, it's going to come back in the house. You don't set it out right in your front yard. Where do you take it? Down to the creek? Yes. I don't know if they have a crick. They should set it free in the pet cemetery. There, can live hello. with the mice ghosts. Yeah, I know. Ding, ding. I don't know what happened. I think there was some sort of mistake. They just needed to keep the shot in frame. And so they just yeah. said, this isn't really what happened. I mean, yeah. we don't know if there was actually ever really a mouse. We just like to believe everything that they're showing us in the reenactments. Mm-hmm. So we meet Tasha's mom, who is 30-something Tasha, who is very pretty. Gorgeous. And this is... We find out that this is Judy's not actual daughter, as blood relatives loves to tell us when they're not actual <laughs> oh blood God. relatives. They love to tell us. Her adopted daughter. But don't worry. She loved her just as much. Don't, you don't have to say it then. Why did you have to say it? We have to learn Judy's entire reproductive history. Judy herself can't have children, guys. <laughs> I can't have children. In case you were wondering. But she grew those orchids and beautiful children, except only one. But it wasn't hers. She couldn't have any of her own because uh, she was her sister's. It was her niece. We don't need to really. It doesn't bear any meaning on the story, but they love to tell us. So now we know. And Tasha and her little girl, Emily, live right down the street from Judy. Emily, at this point, is like balancing on the fountain in the garden and says, 
no, they say, oh, no, be careful, be careful, Emily. And she says, don't worry, my ruby red slippers will protect me from falling in. And I wrote second Wizard of Oz reference. It's actually the third, but I didn't catch the black and white in the beginning. But our ruby red slippers are number two. And I was like, the daughter, Tasha, (laughs) is planting flowers. So that's our third flower reference. The theme must be flowers because I'm an idiot. But that's what I thought the first time. We have the little girl, Emily, putting flowers on the gravestone. We have the grandma whose whole life is orchids, spraying orchids. And then we cut to the daughter. And what is her hobby? Planting flowers in the ground. I don't think you have to worry about being an idiot because I think everyone is going to come back to you in the social media sphere and say, it's flowers. You're right. So. Okay. Well, it's definitely not flowers. It's definitely Sound of Music. I'm sorry, Wizard of Oz. I wish it was Sound of Music. Also, it was like, don't fall. Be careful, Emily, or you'll hit your head. (gasps) Did they say that? Foreshadowing. Did they say that? I missed that. Yes. Be careful, Emily, or you'll hit your head. Okay, foreshadowing. Remember that, guys. Total foreshadowing. Very important. Okay. So also, Tasha is planting a succulent, right? Yeah, which is a California plant, not a Pacific Northwest plant. Okay. But I did write, does that mean anything? So at some point, I also thought it was flowers. Because she sucks. Her taste in men suck. So speaking of sucking with men choices, we meet Emily's father, Charles. Charles and Tasha have split up, but Charles, as always, lives nearby. In a lot of these episodes, the the exes and the families all live like in the same Mm -hmm. five block radius. Maybe that's just how families do it. I don't know. No, that's maybe how it winds up on these murder shows. There we go. Keep that in mind, everyone. Hot tip. Maybe consider these things. Mm -hmm. So anyways, Charles lives nearby. They continue to have a decent relationship. Not the best, not the worst. Charles is a truck driver, and he's seen as a little rough around the edges. He doesn't look rough around the edges. He looks like he's... He has a beard and wears a flannel. But looks like if he put on a tux, he'd be in a cologne ad. He's fine. Yeah. He's fine. But he drives a truck. That means rough, rough around, around the, the edges. edges. Although they make yeah. good money. So I'm, I mean. Charles seems great. I don't know. I'm pro team Charles. Charles honestly seems fine. So maybe her taste in men doesn't suck. Maybe her attitude towards marriages sucks. We don't know. Well, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to tell. They have a little bit of wishy-washy interviews on Charles. We don't get a lot of information. Charles and Tasha get along great. They're exes, but they're super friendly, practically best friends. Then the next interview person is like, but he doesn't make any money and it's a huge sore spot. And they're also fighting about custody over the child. So this relationship is rough. So there we go. So they're best friends, but it's rough. Who do you believe? Yeah, you're right. I wrote, he has good intentions, but he may or may not be on the up and up, question mark. Yeah, we don't know. Just the jury's out on Charles. Mm -mm. Do we trust Rolf? Do we trust Brenda Strong? They're both telling us opposite things. Let's go with it and see if they lead us astray. I feel like they line up later. So we see Charles catch Tasha from almost falling off the ladder. In the garage. In the garage. And then so he saves her and then gives her custody papers. Right. This is, it's, Thanks for saving my life. I'm taking away your By the way, I'm taking you to court. So he's in a really good mood because of the custody is not what he wants when Tasha's new husband, Todd, shows up. So Tasha has already remarried at this point in the story. Todd shows up with a truck with a lot of black or a lot of boxes in them with huge black X's on the sides of all the boxes. 
Yeah, I did not notice that. They're really large, and I thought that they were trying to block out, like, brands, Mm -hmm. because sometimes you have to do that if something says, like, Pepsi or something like that. I don't know why the X's are there. Just remember that they were there. Uh, Apparently, all of these boxes are filled with medical textbooks because Todd is a nursing teacher. The box kind of falls out, and a book falls out, and we see that there's just this giant bloody heart on it, at which point I wrote in all capital letters, Wizard of Oz! (laughs) Again. So here we have our first organ that becomes important. I just thought it was symbolic of heartbreak. Also, I don't think medical textbooks have big bloody hearts on the cover of this. I really highly doubt it. So Todd and Charles spar a little bit. It's nothing that serious. But Brenda tells us Um, that... You don't think it was that serious? No. Why? What happened? seemed pretty rough to me. Oh, explain. What was Well, Charles says, hey, Todd... You still studying to be a candy stripper? Mm-hmm. It's a stripper. And then Charles, I mean, Todd says, hey, have fun sleeping in your rig, Charles. Well, I'll be sleeping with your wife. I'll be sleeping with your ex. He nailed it the first time I did. Yeah, I didn't think that was, it was not fisticuffs. They did not roll around in the dirt and get bloody. They just like were sparring. I will say Charles started it. And they say Charles tries to be the better man so he can keep getting custody of the daughter, of which he's not getting. So it's not working. So maybe that's why he started it. So it's up to you if you think that that seems like, it seemed to me like they were razzing each other, but not, Mm. and didn't like each other, but not, they weren't fist fighting in the garage. That's true. But I'll be sleeping with your ex is pretty D-back move. It is. They don't like each other. It's very clear. Yeah. So Brenda Strong tells us that while there appears to be the building of a solid family foundation, remove just one brick and it will all come crashing down. And that's a little bit foreshadowing for what happens later. Now that I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about it. There we go. Mm -hmm. But one and one of the boxes that is set on the ground has blood seeping out of it. Imaginary blood. The heart book. Yeah. It's like the blood that only we, the audience, can see. Yeah. So that means something. It's like a Hogwarts book got stabbed. Yes, exactly. So then before we go to commercial, we're going to get some flashes of foreshadowing of what's to come. The first image looks like what looked to me like a Precious Moments doll. So the dolls with the big eyes with that it's dressed as a scarecrow with blood on it. And I said again, Wizard of Oz, because it looked a little bit like a scarecrow. It's kind of hard to see Mm -hmm. because it's dark, but it had little fuzz coming out of it and then we see a white mouse again with blood drops on a wooden floor and the rats like moving Mm. around it so don't know so the trouble starts a few weeks later todd gets let go from his nursing teaching job where apparently they make you lug heavy textbooks to your house to store (laughs) because there's no storage at the school you have to store them at home that's part of the job. Was he was he stealing those textbooks? They're That's expensive. What, yeah, they ask you at your interview, are you qualified to teach nurses? And how much storage room do you have at your house? Can you lift up to 40 pounds? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm guessing that they fired him because they the books were going to come back covered in blood because it was seeping yeah. blood on the ground. That's it. Yeah. You didn't take good care of these books. No, we, we have to let you go, Todd. So Grandma Judy Garland, I mean, Grandma Judy Hebert, took oh oh so grandma judy has taken all three ne'er-do-wells into her home i'm just kidding they're not ne'er-do-wells but todd did lose his job and apparently immediately lost his house 
because he didn't have a job anymore. And we're we're to assume at this point that Tasha doesn't work. And Emily also doesn't work because she's a little girl. So it's just Todd. Ne'er-do-wells and a demon. So it, he just lo- loses his job, loses his house. Boom, boom. That's the way it goes. And now we have our obligatory kitchen scene. If you know anything from blood relatives, you'll know that the kitchen scene always happens at the beginning. This is a little bit later. It's the heart, the bleeding heart of the home. It is. We don't normally get it this late. We normally get it second scene in. So I'm surprised, but we still get it. So Judy and Emily are in the kitchen while Tasha and Todd are arguing in the foyer. Now, I noticed two things about this kitchen scene. One of the things I noticed in the kitchen scene with Judy and Emily is that Judy is wearing some absolutely stunning jewelry. And I have a pretty good idea where our listeners can find some gorgeous pieces of their own. Where? Anna Luisa. Oh, better than the Pet cemetery. Oh, f- for real. AnnaLuisa.com, that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A.com, has some of the most timeless, chic, just plain pretty pieces that I have browsed in my quest for quality jewelry. And right now, with the code date dateline, you can get a discount of 10% off from AnnaLuisa.com. With prices starting as low as $39 for conscious luxury jewelry, Conscious luxury jewelry. You don't want to sleep on this brand. Because of Natalie Morales's jewelry game that I've been a big fan of for a while from Dateline, I have been inspired to find affordable, high quality pieces that can be worn together and stacked. Because of Mm. the dainty quality of Ana Luisa pieces, they're perfect to achieve this style goal. After much deliberation on the site, meaning after three and a half hours on the site, (laughs) because I wanted everything, I finally bought myself the Cassie earring, which are open hoops from 100% recycled sterling silver and dipped in 14 karat gold. They hug the ear and they have this tiny little cubic zirconia gem. They're perfect for the second holes of my ear. I've been looking for some that I can just put in. I never have to take out. I have not taken them off since I got them. Another thing that I really liked about Ana Luisa is the fact that some of the styles they have, especially in the earrings, they have hug and non-hug styles, like the Suzanne, which is the style I got my mom. Because sometimes you want to be hugged. Sometimes. And sometimes you say, I want a little separation. Keep my bubble. I got my mom the medium size, which are close to the earlobe, but don't hug quite as tight as I like them too. So Ana Luisa gives you a great range of options and they release new collections every Friday. So it's a perfect reason to check back often and use our code date dateline for that 10% discount. Ana Luisa was founded to bring clarity to the jewelry industry. They designed pieces with a beautiful story from beginning to end, starting with recycled materials whenever possible, transparent business practices always, and creating small batches that are kind to the earth and eliminate excessive waste. Wow. Since their founding in 2018, they have considered, tracked, and evaluated the environmental impact of every aspect of the company with a goal to get their carbon footprint to absolutely zero. A Date with Dateline loves a conscious company like AnnaLuisa.com. Yes. If you're looking for affordable, exceptional quality jewelry pieces crafted from the finest noble metals, look no further than AnnaLuisa.com. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A.com. A unique jewelry company creating stunning limited batches, ensuring the best production standards while eliminating excessive waste. AnnaLuisa.com forward slash date dateline. Go treat yourself and your loved ones and use our code date dateline to get 10% off. We highly recommend them. They're a great brand making beautiful, sustainable jewelry. Check out AnnaLuisa.com forward slash date dateline. 
code date dateline for 10% off at checkout. Yeah. Because you don't need to click your heels three times to experience the over the rainbow quality of Anna Luisa. Oh, because this episode is Wizard of Oz themes, which I totally got the first time. <laughs> so now we're on to the second thing I noticed in the kitchen besides the beautiful statement pieces worn on Grandma Judy. The second thing I noticed is that there is a Ruby Slippers cookie baking packet sitting what? up on the counter. And at this point, I mean, I'm that You it. had to be sure you're right. You had to be sure at the second thing. I feel like you are too hesitant to be sure. I wasn't even sure until we hear this next thing. We need to work on your self-esteem because you were clearly right for, right out the gate. I do. I wish there was more people that were encouraging of me and telling me that I was right instead of wrong. Who would possibly <laughs> are you talking about? <laughs> I said good day, sir. So Judy feels like Tasha keeps picking the wrong man. Todd storms out of the foyer and leaves his wallet and his cell phone on the counter. And by leaving his wallet and cell phone on the counter, I mean, he slams them down on the counter. Like, I've had it with these two items. I'm done. But he's leaving. <laughs> I I'm leaving. So I'm going to also leave the two things that I would need were I to leave. What's happening? Which I am actually doing right now. What's he doing? Why is he doing that? I really it's don't like get saying, it. It's like saying, I'm going to drive away. Here's my car keys. It makes no sense. I'm going to drive away, throws car keys into the pool. It's very strange. But of course, he has to leave his cell phone because the phone buzzes as soon as he walks out the door. Judy picks it up. Because she's a good grandma. And because it's completely 100% her business to look at yeah. someone else's phone when it buzzes. Totally, Jude. I see you. Please don't do that. It's not rude at all. Mm -hmm. He, She sees that he's been texted by some sort of a blonde lingerie model, I guess, yeah. because the picture is very much what like a lingerie model photo right. shoot looks like. She's in black, like five pieces, you know, with like a garter yeah. and a thigh high yes. and a bustier. It's the whole business. Yeah. Not normal things that a woman wears to sleep in or me. Well, and it's also not even like a nudie shot. It's a full, I took a photo shoot and I'm sending you those photos. It's a, it's a stock photo. It's like if a guy's like, yeah. this is my girlfriend. And then you zoom in really close and it's like. And it says Lake Avenue. Models. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what happens. Stock photos from. Fredericks of Hollywood. Hot girls. Yeah. None of whom are sponsoring this episode, but I'm just going to say them anyways. Do they sponsor podcasts? That'd be great if they did. That'd be fun. Okay, so I was totally right about the Wizard of Oz theme and not because of the lingerie model, but because Brenda Strong now tells us this yellow brick road is about to be flowing with blood. Is this when you got it? Yellow brick road is about to be flooding red with blood. Because yellow, it was yellow and now it's red. I see. I did not write that correctly. Is this when you got that, that it was Wizard of Oz? Yeah. No, yeah, I definitely did. Yeah. This is when I knew. I didn't know up until here. That's probably when I first had an inkling. 
I got the lit the red ruby red slippers on the girl, but didn't think it was important to the episode because they just throw stuff at you. Throw a theme here and a theme here and a theme here. And they kept doing close ups off of, of the soil when the daughter's uh, doing the flowers. So I was like, I it's a soil themed episode. So I was confused. But this was I was like, okay, Wizard of Oz. Here's the question. Now you're it's not I know you make jokes that you don't watch the episode of I'm doing the recap or whatever, but I know you do. And I know that you like pay pretty good attention to television. If you didn't get Wizard of Oz up until this point, this statement is assuming that people have already gotten the references up until here. That's why she just blatantly says Yellow Brick Road. Well, right? it's odd because most of the ID shows we've discussed are written for someone who is also doing laundry, making snacks for their kids, and working on an Excel spreadsheet on their computer at the same time as they have on ID. That's yeah. how most of them are. So they have to be that obvious. This show is like, nay, I'm going to put in as many excruciatingly tiny details as we can, and no one's going to get them but us on the crew. And we will pat ourselves on the back at how clever we are, but no one who is only half paying attention or even Kimberly level paying attention are going to get them all. No. So it's really just for them. And I appreciate that. I do. They're doing it for their own enjoyment. Our enjoyment, because we're having fun analyzing them. So I'm not mad. I don't know it. if they knew there would be a podcast. Maybe they just assumed. I think they were just waiting. I think they hoped. They hoped. They were just yeah. biding their time. I think they maybe yeah. hoped it wouldn't be us, but yeah. <laughs> we're here. We caught it first. So here here we are. Sorry. You're welcome. Apologies. I tried. Okay. So, so now we're going to get some flashes again before we go to the next commercial. There's a notepad with there's no place like home written on it with blood splashed across it. And then we have poor little Emily in black and white again and she appears to be holding what looks to me like a bloody heart i can't mm. see what it is at this time we see it better later but it looks like she's holding the tin man's heart i, I don't know maybe it's a dead animal that she find. that's why they have pet cemetery pet cemetery right the rat because still pet cemetery not accounted for not in the slightest so when we're back from commercial tasha is in the mirror trying on her own black lingerie look-alike you know, she's trying to look like the the model in the photo and we find out that instead instead of being mad at her casanova husband she's going to win him back with her feminine wiles so she's gonna do the dirty with him instead of kicking him out which is what she should be doing good riddance todd tasha needs better self-esteem ladies be your own Prince Charming. She's acting like Darcy from 90 Day Fiance over here. Why isn't Tasha dating that guy from next door that we keep getting interviewed with? Is he single? He seems great. I think he's married. Maybe not. I was going to write. I was going to write him if not. Oh, and say, could you marry Tasha? Well, we don't want no. him to marry Tasha. Could he marry me? Oh, you were going to write him for yourself? Oh, yeah, I did like him. He seemed very nice. I thought he said his wife at one point. We'll get to him. Yeah, but I like that. I like that you liked him. I like him for you. Okay. So we get a quick shot of the garden fountain and we see that there are lion heads with water coming out. So we have our first cowardly lion reference. Oh, my God. Put them all. Okay. 
Cindy calls that a Katie whisper. What? When you do something under your breath that's hilarious that I usually don't acknowledge. And she's like, it's brilliant. I make a note of them. They're called Katie whispers. Was that a whisper? I did it out loud, kind of. No, it was not. It was very quiet. No, you were, you were like, put them up. Put them up. She's writing it. Cindy's writing it down. So it may be Tasha's choice to win Todd back, but Judy does not forgive and forget. Of course not. So Judy's not going to forgive and forget because Todd is being really gross. He is literally in his tight red boxer briefs watching. Are they boxer briefs? I think they just might be briefs. No, I wrote boxer briefs. Okay, maybe they are. Whatever. They're like cheekies. So if he like inched up a little bit you'd see his cheek so he's watching tv eating super brand cereal on her couch probably sloppily super brand is on the counter in the back barf city super brand sounds terrible just gonna say it. i think it sounds great because now we know todd is regular and that's the most important thing a regular jerk face yes <laughs> so gross but the props people did a great job on the box. They really did. Props to the props. It looks like a real cereal It box. looks really good. They spent a lot of time on that. There's something that happens later that I felt like should have <laughs> should have spent time on. But I really appreciate the super brand cereal. Props to the props department. Good job. So he's lazy. He's not looking for a job. He goes to pour more cereal. Can't seem to pour it correctly and spills milk all over. So he's pouring milk like in a swirl pattern. Just <laughs> pour the milk in the cereal like a normal person, Todd. I seriously don't have time for this. He can't even carry a box of books without them bleeding all over the place. Of course, there's going to be spilt milk. He's lost his muscle control. Yeah. Is Todd a drinker? I don't know what's happening. Although he doesn't look like it. He's pretty well-defined oh yeah he's very buff like every guy ever in yeah. this show every guy yeah. that they cast in one of the like specs for this show is must be cut right they're must all be okay guys. with being in your underwear in a scene where no normal human would be in their underwear like in the living room of their mother-in-law's house with their stepdaughter with their stepdaughter who knows where yeah, yeah it's todd put some pants on so he spills milk on the floor and judy does not like it because todd instead of bending down with a paper towel and wiping it up he just sort of smears it into the tile with his sock that's how he wipes up the milk which is inappropriate and his mother-in-law's house it's really bad it's really disrespectful. Is he who you would want the nurses of America to be taught by? No. no. I'm glad he got fired. I'm glad he got fired. People are going to die on his watch. No joke. So Judy confronts him and his quest for fiber and sees that he knocked <laughs> like down this big, there's no place like home sign that she loves so much. So now we mm -hmm. have this big wooden sign that says there's no place like home. She demands Which I've never read. You really did not read it. She assumed it said live, live, laugh, love and yeah. moved on. Yeah. So anyways, Judy's very upset that he broke her precious sign, demands he fix it. Why she's not demanding he puts some pants on, we don't know. But Todd, of course, is like making a face. It's a thing. Whatever. We get the feeling that Judy and Todd are not friends. Now we get a really creepy shot of the mouse cleaning his poor little whiskers next to a puddle of stage blood that's poured all over the floor and who is the rat handler he was happy that was probably sugar water 
dyed red. He was in hog, pig, he- r- mouse heaven, rat heaven. I hope so. It's all sticky sweet from my head to my feet. It is really cute. That little animal thing is very, very cute. The paws up. Oh, paws up. Paws up. That's very sweet. Put them up. Put them up. Okay, so <laughs> real quick, we get another shot of a bloody thumb as well as someone picking up an axe. So the bloody thumb has got to be a green thumb, right? No, I, I, well, I don't think they put that together. No, I think you're I, way I being way giving them too much credit there. I'm too, I'm too smart. Is that what you're trying to say? I think it is hearkening to a future injury and not symbolic. Okay. I want it to be. It could be. It's blood relatives. I don't want to repeat the obvious, but it could be. Yeah, that's true. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. It could be one of the signs that Chad the intern is sending us so that we rescue him. But I brushed it aside and thought, no, that can't be. Green thumb. Green thumb. It's orchids. He's being held captive in a park somewhere. <laughs> okay. So very quickly, Todd ch- completely changes. He He's no longer just wandering around in his red briefs, drinking gross, milky, soggy fiber cereal. He is... Now no longer freeloading and trying to be productive, a productive member of the household. And he's also trying to get on Judy's good side. He's drawn up some plans to turn Judy's garage into a gardening workshop that she's always wanted so she can get out of the creepy murder attic. But then there's an accident, as Kimberly would say. (laughs) He's going over the plans with Judy in the garage and they're sort of in the middle, you know, looking at the wall and looking at the plants, looking at the wall. And all of a sudden... A stupid box of the medical textbooks falls from the above rafters of the garage straight onto Judy's head. Mm-hmm. First of all, who puts heavy books up that high? How do you get them up that high? What's happening? Why are we? What's happening? I think you put them up that high with a ladder like Tasha was on at the beginning when she almost fell off the ladder. Foreshadowing. In the garage. Oh, very smart. I forgot that she almost fell off that ladder. Because she was getting some stuff down from one of those shelves. So this is where they keep heavy stuff. How did it just seemingly jump off the shelf and onto the floor? A giant box of heavy textbooks on directly onto her head. Maybe it was a tornado. Maybe it was. Wizard of Oz. Because the next shot we get is Judy splayed out on the ground with a very interesting sock choice from the costume designer, except not at all, because she is in the black and white striped socks of the Wicked Witch of the East, who the house falls on. And I was delighted. I give you props for that, because even the second time, I barely saw it, because I'm so busy looking at her gory, gashed up head. And I was like, cannot believe Katie noticed that. They don't even do a close up shot of them. You just noticed, I noticed they it were immediately, but I think the problem is that I'm a little bit obsessed with socks, and I have a feeling you are too. Can you tell me why? Oh, I'm obsessed with socks because of Bombus. I'm part of the Bombus family. Woo woo, Bombus! I've been trying to work out, walk, just walk. Walking for me is working out because I'm really out of shape, but Agreed. I'm trying to get better. And I have really bad feet; they get really hot. 
and I get blisters, but I also just get this burn on the bottom of my feet. Like they just Ugh. hurt. They get hot. I don't know Ooh. how to describe it. Don't like it. It's uncomfortable. And I think it's like chafing, rubbing from the socks. And also my arches always hurt and my heels always hurt and my toe. Basically every surface air part of the foot, all parts of the foot hurt. I don't have very good feet, guys. And mm-hmm. now I tried Bombas socks. Katie sent me some performance Bombas socks. They've taken it to a new level. Yeah. Bombas performance socks have taken all of their bombastic innovations that make them the most bomb, comfortable socks you've ever worn. And they've added hex tech performance technology. They are stitched with moisture wicking yarn and temperature regulating vents that keep even my feet cool. And they come with a pillow like tab to save you from blisters. They stay Amazing. up so they don't like constantly roll down and rub on your ankle. They hug your arches, which is like arch support. The and they have extra cushioning on the bottom, just like myself. They have Ooh. different styles of socks for different sports because apparently there are different sports. Am I yes. saying that word right? Support. S ports that require different needs from your socks. Who knew? I'm obsessed with the tennis ones. Obsessed. Tennis. Yeah. That is the S port I've heard of. Mm-hmm. And like all of Bombas socks, for every pair of the performance socks you buy, they donate a pair to someone in need. They've donated over 45 million pairs so far. Go to bombas.com forward slash date dateline. Get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S. Bombas.com forward slash date dateline for 20% off. Bombas.com forward slash date dateline. Come on. Bombas, 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 bombas. Get your bombas on. For tennis. (laughs) (laughs) Now for tennis. Uh (laughs) I'm obsessed with that. So while we're taking care of the tip of our toes, let's also talk about taking care of another important part of your body, your skin. Mm. That's right. Fact. Most home remedies and over-the-counter acne products don't work. And even worse, they can really damage your skin. If you are like me, then you have tried all the -the over-the-counter acne creams, plus some that you mixed up in your sink at home yourself. That sounds dangerous. Oh, yeah. I've let myself get talked into crushed up penicillin mixed with rubbing alcohol. Oh my gosh. I can tell you right now that all that did was make my spots red, angry, and vengeful. So you want to know about something that actually does work? Yes. Prescription treatments. Mm -hmm. That's why we're excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Note to self, penicillin crushed up with rubbing alcohol is not, it's not even smart, let alone clinically proven. It's just dumb. A day with Dateline is in no way recommending that you try crushing up penicillin in your sink. Do not try at home. What we are recommending is that you check out Apostrophe because Apostrophe connects you with a board certified dermatologist, not some crazy person on the internet, who will create a personalized (laughs) treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. All you have to do is fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history, take a few selfies, and your dermatologist will create your customized treatment plan. Apostrophe treats acne. They can help you with other skincare goals like reducing redness, wrinkles. They can even help you with dark spots. I've had a long list of skincare goals for a very long time, not just clearing up my horrible adult cystic acne, but I also wanted to reduce these new dark spots that have been coming from being of a certain age. What? 29? 
I don't think so. They're there. So it's just I'm maturing faster than I thought. So (laughs) I'm also trying to improve my skin's texture, especially after damaging it so much with my at-home potions. So apostrophe (laughs) has a home delivery service that means that I could get the skin I always strived for delivered right to my home without wandering aimlessly through the aisles of CVS or spending hours on Reddit trying to find something that I could mix at home myself. Apostrophe's creams feel great on the skin. They absorb nicely. And the best part is they worked and didn't irritate my already irritated skin. I also take an oral medication that has kept my acne at bay for over a year. I could not be more grateful to Apostrophe and the team of doctors that work with them. Right now, we have a special deal for our audience. You can save $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash date dateline when you use our code date dateline. This code is available only to our listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash date dateline, click begin visit and use our code date dateline at sign up and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash date dateline and use that code date dateline to get your dermatology visit and save $15. Thank you so much, Apostrophe, for clearing up skin everywhere, not just for me. No? (laughs) It's okay. I still like putting an exclamation point. Make your skin an exclamation point. With apostrophe. Yeah, that's better. Because your face no longer belongs in the parentheses. <laughs> because your face no longer begins with a question mark. It's more like it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you, apostrophe. Mm-hmm. We're still working on it. We're going to come up with the A plus <laughs> slogan. I know it. I feel it in my bones. It's going to happen. Okay, so... Back to Judy and the poor box that fell on her head. The box was 33 pounds. She hit her head on the cement garage floor when she fell. So she's a mess. I mean, by the way, this isn't the murder. This is just an accident. (laughs) It's not good. Todd screams. Natasha comes running out to the garage and calls 911. Now, she actually survives this horrible accident. She has a concussion and a really bad head wound. No thanks to Todd. And his horrible CPR job. Oh, yeah. Explain his CPR. He does something weird. No wonder he got fired for Mm -hmm. being a nurse teacher Mm -hmm. because he said, all you got to do is press once on their chest lightly and that's it. Hands off. Well done. Get up. Get yourself a soda. Does she need CPR? She doesn't need CPR. She doesn't even need CPR. She has a concussion. I don't know what Todd is doing. She's still alive. He presses once lightly on her chest and that's it. Never blows in her mouth. Nothing. Todd doesn't know things. He obviously never saw the episode of The Office with staying alive. Ha, 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 ha. Todd's not good. So Judy is confined to bed rest until her head heals and Tasha is tending to her every need, but not at all because she's painting judy's nails in the weirdest way i've ever seen not completely backwards she's painting them you can you explain it instead of going from cuticle outwards she's going from the tip of the nail back to the cuticle so insane insane the point of painting from the cuticle down is so if it flicks or you get extra it's going off the nail this way it's just going onto your fingers like some sort of what are you doing 
this was so insane to me. I want to get a nail tech's take on it. And even I noticed it. I missed yeah. the whole Wizard of Oz thing. But she noticed this because it's awkward, too. She's painting them backwards. It looks like it's uncomfortable. It looks like it's the most difficult way to paint nails is how. To, OK, and let's be honest. Tasha is a beautiful actress, and that actress has never painted a nail a day in her life. <laughs> that girl gets her nails done. She has never painted her own nails. Not one day. Not yeah, one. She has people walking up to her on the street being like, can I treat you to a manicure? No, pretty much. You look like, tired. Yeah. Oh, honey, sit down. Have a pedicure. Boy, that's the life. It must so, be nice. It must be. So Tasha is tending to Judy, kind of. And that means apparently Emily's being a little neglected. I don't see the correlation, but that's what we're told is happening. But suddenly it's Halloween. We're at Halloween and Emily is dressed like one of the Where the Wild Things are. And her dad yeah. is dressed as Gandalf. So, yeah. no, they're absolutely not. Of course, <laughs> Emily is fully dressed as Dorothy. And her dad, Charles, is dressed like, oh, we struggled with this last time. It's, I think he's dressed as the Wizard of Oz. But I also wrote it could be the mayor of Emerald City. Because I don't. Yeah. Or the mayor of Munchkin City. The mayor of Munchkin Town City. Land. Very strange. On the enclave. He's wearing a suit. It's not an... Why wouldn't they just make him one of the main central characters? Why would you make him a citizen of Emerald City when you could just make him the cowardly lion? Right. That would be adorable if he was dressed like a cat. Maybe he couldn't find it. They couldn't find an adult-sized lion costume. I can send them to three costume stores in LA. Speaking of, why yeah. is the creature of the week a mouse and not a flying monkey? None of it makes sense. Why isn't it a dog? Why isn't it Toto? No one knows. All right. I have. Why can't it just be a green beetle? Who is the random lady outside of his house taking photos of him and Emily as they're about to go trick-or-treating? Is that like some sort of fancy neighborhood concierge service where there's a woman walking around with a camera and she takes photos of you and then your ex and her husband show up and start arguing with you about custody and this poor random photographer who I thought was his new girlfriend but is not because she has no lines she just walks away with her camera after standing there awkwardly like I took your photos how do I have your contact info how am I going to send you this photo of you and your daughter do I just walk around no. selling photos like it no. after Splash Mountain you get your picture taken then you might want to buy it is it that kind of thing who will buy my wonderful photos <laughs> no it's I think it's a neighborhood newspaper where it's okay. like, this is what the neighborhood's doing. It's a newsletter that goes out. So at Halloween, they have pictures. I think they needed business for them to do. I don't know why walking with a, a little pumpkin trick-or-treat bucket right, wasn't enough. enough. Just have her straightening his little top hat or something. Kimberly, they, uh, they overdid it in every aspect of this episode. Why did you think this would be different? Yeah, this was a whole nother person. You had to pay $100 for no the idea. day for no reason. Is, we have a lot of questions always. This is just add it to the list. Why? Don't know. I don't know what's happening on set at these things. Also, he has a house now. And I thought he slept in his rig. He had a house the whole time. They said he lived nearby. And he has a huge house because we see it later. So, okay, let's keep going. We'll get to it. Truckers make good money. So Wizard of Oz and Dorothy are there. Charles sees that this is an opportunity with Tasha being preoccupied with Judy and her accident 
this is the time for him to swoop in and get full-time custody of Emily. Tasha and Todd show up out of nowhere. They're not dressed up, by the way. This would have also been a great opportunity to put Tasha in Glenda mm-hmm. and Todd in Tin Man or Todd in a Oz costume. I don't understand. I mean, Tasha's turning out to not be so Glinda-ish. No, but you, but Tasha's not going to be the Wicked Witch. Tasha's no, going to be Glenda. So she's going to be Glenda. Yeah. yeah, let's keep this straight. Even Glinda's not so Glinda-ish. You got to see Wicked. It's a whole thing, guys. I do know. There's a whole backstory there. So Tasha is telling Charles, that's not going to happen. Don't you dare try to get custody. You know, you're a ne'er-do-well. And then Charles says, well, you've had her for five years. It's my turn to get to know my daughter. And almost has a physical confrontation with Todd, but then Charles backs down for the sake of little Emily, which is the right thing to do. So we're led to believe that Todd is the force for good in this family at this point. I'm not sure. Charles. Also, you're welcome for the wicked reference. But yeah, sorry. Charles is the is good. Mm, I see. Two weeks later, 911 gets a dispatch. And it's a very strange call. It's an older woman, and her voice is, it sounds like she's saying, get help, or something like that, but you can't really hear. You just hear that it's sort of garbled, and there's a straight-up gunshot immediately following. We only hear one in the episode. It becomes a little important. The 911 operator is playing some kind of wooden puzzle. That's wild. What does that mean? I don't know. Why? Is it to show that it's a slow town? There's not a lot of crime. Maybe. Or is it foreshadowing for another episode? Oh, sweet Lord. Write it down. Because I think Write that down wooden, wooden puzzle. puzzle might have something to do with another episode. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Goodness. Okay. So the call goes dead and it's traced to Judy's home. The cops rush to the house. They find poor little Emily crying. And now we see that that, sh- that foreshadowing shot we saw, this is actually Emily crying, holding that bloody object with blood all over her that I thought was a heart. It turns out not mm-hmm. to be a heart, but she's not harmed. She's just bloody. The person's blood all over her is actually Judy's, who is lying on her bedroom floor. She's been shot to death. She has one very bloody thumb. And then there's a mm-hmm. no place like home sign. That same sign has been splashed with blood. And then there's a picture of her family with no blood on it wedged under her elbow. Why? Wait, that sign was originally in the living room slash kitchen. The sign was, I don't know. I think it was in the living room and now it's in the bedroom. Right. Yeah. Does she have multiple ones in every room? Maybe. I think I think he was lazy and he didn't. He kind of half fixed it, but never hung it back up. So she just set it in her bedroom. That's good. Okay, we've made sense of it. That's what I think is happening. So uh, a rat runs across the floor as we go into commercial. A rat or a mouse runs across Mm -hmm. the floor. We come back from commercial. The police have taken Emily to the neighbor's house, the neighbor who Kimberly loves, who might be Kimberly's future partner. Yeah. Emily tells the police that she was in her room with her TV up super loud. And in the reenactment of her in the room with the headphones on, we see that she is drawing a picture of all of these X's around the side of the picture. Oh. No idea what it means. No idea. But this is our second of the X. So this mm-hmm. is now we know that X is some sort of symbolic something of this. Mm-hmm. She heard the gunshot even though she had her headphones on and she runs out to find her grandmother dead on the floor of her bedroom and this bloody little scarecrow doll 
that has been thrown outside the door somehow. So the little thing she had been holding was this weird little bloody scarecrow that we saw, the Precious Moments doll dressed as the scarecrow. Clever. It is. But the problem is, is that Emily has somehow put the doll in her mouth or her hands (laughs) to her mouth because her entire mouth is covered with blood, which looks like she has been feasting on a dead mouse i don't understand what why they did they chose to do this it's like denarius in like the early seasons of game of thrones where she bites that that bloody heart and then like the blood is all over her face which leads me again to believe that emily might be a demon it's really disturbing disconcerting i don't know why they're doing this but okay so it's like war paint all over her face except it's blood This little tiny child, really not good. So the neighbor, whose name is Ryan, tells the police about the accident that Judy had a few weeks ago with the books falling. And the cops go and they take a look at like all around the house. So they're going to they're going to check this out and see what's going on here. At the crime scene, they find a bloody axe near the body. Tin Man. Mm hmm. The axe. Also, Mommy Dearest. Also, why is the axe in the bedroom? Yes. So that's a very good question. They find a revolver near the body and the revolver is still cocked. There is a file folder near her body that has a (laughs) bullet hole in it. So it looks like that she had been shot through the file folder and then there's a second shot in Judy's side. Now, the back of her skull is also caved in, but the cause of death was the gunshots. So why is there an axe there? Why is it bloody? Has her poor skull not been through enough, this woman? It really, I, it's shocking. You had to date her again in the head? Well, it's more shocking that the axe was used post-mortem. So because she died from the gunshots, that means somebody then took the axe and with the blunt side of the axe, hit her in the head to make sure she was dead. That may, I just, no. It just means that someone was super angry, the cops think. So they start looking around the house. They look in Judy's office and on her computer, by the way, they don't look in the file folder that that was shot through. They go to the computer first because that file folder. She's clutching files as she's murdered. Those files might be important. No, they're of no consequence. They go straight to the computer and they find out that pulled up on the computer there is an x from x legal services huge x (gasps) up in the corner in a circle legal services so this is our third x and at this point don't hire x legal services that does not sound official at all that sounds like name pending we are calling ourselves x right now but it's a symbol and i wrote oh my god was this episode supposed to be called axe marks the spot brilliant brilliant i am id call this woman on the phone offer her a job five 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 three five 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 call me i'm here what i'm ready i bet it was and they had to switch it because uh, children of the scorn still makes no sense no like it's a mistake it's honestly like there's a glitch on the dvr and on the website that are just renaming the episodes I'm telling you, it's somebody with the metadata. So here's the deal with the will. Judy may have recently changed it. It's showing that Judy was only leaving Tasha 10 grand and Emily was getting everything else. I don't understand what she changed it to and from. I guess 
Tasha was getting less money than she had been before. I'm assuming that she was going to leave everything to Tasha, but Mm -hmm. now she's only leaving Tasha 10 grand. But this isn't the only important piece of paper evidence. In Tasha and Todd's room, where they had been staying in the house, there's this yellow legal pad with little boxes and a giant X on it, like a little map drawn Mm -hmm. out of apparently the garage where the accident happened. And at this point, I really am a genius because the detective says, there's a big X on the paper, like X marks the spot. I had to like take a bath and calm down because I was Mm -hmm. so excited that I got it right. It (laughs) looks like a floor plan for the accident. So Kimberly thought it looked like nothing. You thought it looked like jumble, scratch. I just don't think it's proof that it would hold up in court. No. Mm -mm. It does. It just looks like doodle scratch, like a game of tic-tac-toe gone awry. I don't know. It's 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 not the evidence you want. No, for sure. So then they look in the bedroom closet where she was where Judy was killed. And there is a safe like one of those little box safes. And the safe is open. And inside there are four guns and three aren't loaded. There is also a camera in it. And on the camera, they flip through the photos and they find that Judy had been taking pictures of the garage where she had her accident. So it looks like Judy was documenting her accident where the books fell on her. And she probably thought this wasn't really an accident, like someone was trying to harm her. Counterpoint. Yeah. The photos that Judy appears to be taking were of random things in the garage that would point to nothing that would have to do with the box falling on her. She wasn't taking pictures of the loft area that it fell from. She was taking pictures of things Mm. that were in the garage. Maybe the photos were for that reno project they were doing in the garage. Although I don't know why the camera was kept in the safe. Maybe it's an expensive camera. Maybe she was selling things on eBay. There you go. Taking pictures. You never know. Mercari. Craigslist. We don't know. Mm -hmm. So... In the garage, upon closer look, you can see that there is a way for someone to wiggle up onto that rafter where the box fell and actually push the box of books off. So the cops say it's like Judy had been taking her own crime scene photos, although according to Kimberly, not so much. Just random garage photos. Yeah, I still think she's taking photos of not helpful things, but you don't have to push those boxes off if you train a pet rat to climb up there. Ten pet rats. Ten. And nudge the box with its nose. You need ten. All simultaneously pushing. You couldn't do it with just one rat. You need ten rats. Ten rats simult. This would be, that's the way to kill somebody. There we go. And then the rats just scurry away. The crime, it's a perfect murder. Like the ice pick with the... It's the ice pick. It's the yeah. ice pick. So the detectives are following up on the leads, basically the pictures of the garage, they can't find Tasha and Todd, who are two very important people in this whole picture because Emily has just been left at the house with dead grandma. You stay with grandma, honey. I know she's bloody, but... Oh my you, gosh. And here, here's a scarecrow doll covered in blood to make you feel God. better. So if he only had a brain. So Emily is staying with neighbor Ryan this whole time, but Todd calls in to check on Emily. See, Ryan's good with kids. Come on. Yeah. He's a catch. I don't know if Ryan said he was married. We'll have to go. But did you pay attention to that? Is there a Mrs. Ryan? (laughs) No, I don't don't know. Or a Mr. So. Or a Mr. Ryan. Todd calls to check on little Emily. Okay, that's the first nice thing that Todd has done. And 
tells Ryan that he's in California. All of a sudden, remember, they're in the Pacific Northwest. They're up in Washington somewhere. So the detectives fly out, find Todd, who already has a job in California, couldn't for some reason find a job in Washington, so had to move in with his mother-in-law, but immediately found a job on the USS Hornet. What? He's a nurse teacher. Now he's a security guard on a naval... He's a security guard now, Kimberly. Craft? He is a coat of many colors. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. So he had moved out of the house, apparently, just a few days before the murder. But he's a very likely suspect because of his rocky relationship with Judy. But he was, he has an ironclad alibi, an iron ship clad alibi. Sorry, the show is a huge airline carrier. But he was in California at the time of the murder on the USS Hornet. So he points the police towards Charles, the biological father of Emily. But Charles tells the police that if anyone has a motive in this, it's Tasha. Tasha had called Charles a few weeks earlier and asked him if he would be a witness to the changing of Judy's will. Can I get a witness? Keep in mind, a few weeks earlier is when when Judy had her accident. So Judy's kind of out of it. So Tasha's taking this opportunity to having her probably sign a bunch of legal documents, which is what any good daughter does. Which Carla... The hero notary from Killer Roll mm. a couple weeks ago would never let a woman with a concussion on bed rest in a woozy state change her will. No, no, I don't think any notary of repute Mm-mm. would allow a concussed signer. Mm-mm. No, it's not right. So the will that Tasha was trying to change was basically changing her from getting the 10 grand back to her being the sole beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Very sneaky. So Charles has this phone call in a flashback. He's having this call and saying, what? While he's in this flashback, he is not wearing a shirt. Of course. Is he wearing pants? I think he's shirtless. I don't, I don't even, why, I don't even. It doesn't matter. It's an opportunity for a gentleman in the show to not have his shirt off, so it's off. That's how this works. So while he's shirtless in this, we're assuming his house, Charles, who all of a sudden has no money but a fancy house, he has the Emerald City suit or whatever, the Oz suit laid mm-hmm. out on his massive pool table next to the little girl's Dorothy dress. And there's a big like antler chandelier. It's like this massive oh. game room. We've had what? antlers before. When? We had the dead deer. This episode? No, But no. not this episode. No, in a previous episode. I don't know if they all connect yet. I'm not there. Okay. <laughs> You'll get there. Will I? Let's remember a pool table and see if we get a pool table. Let's see. Okay. We've had a pool. Is that too big of a stretch? But the important thing about the pool table is that as they're panning out on this wide shot, we see that there are billiard balls in the shape of an X on the pool table no thank you there's another x no it's the x-axis it's the axis that marks the spot is it because he's the ex-husband is it was it called an x to grind was it called x marks the spot so not ax marks the spot ex marks the spot right x on the beach trademark mtv i know there's another episode called x to grind or it's called Axe to, to Grind. We already did it. Or is it. it called X to Grind? Axe to Grind. 
Oh, they don't even try to make it a pun. Mm. They just go for the actual phrase. No, we already covered it and we were grumpy about it. Yeah, I'm very grumpy still. So now I feel like they swapped the titles of these two. We need to go mm-hmm. back and look at that and see if that should be called Children of the Scorn. There, That's what I was thinking. Yeah. What in the world? Did the titles get messed up on these? I think the titles got messed up on some of these. We need to make a phone call. Yeah, I think we need okay. to notify someone. Because this should have been called Axe to Grind. Okay, yeah. so anyways. No, Axe marks the spot. But Axe to Grind is an actual title. Right. So I'm just saying they could easily be flipped. All right. So regardless, we have our billiard balls in the shape of an X. Charles tells Tasha, absolutely not. I am not going to be a witness to this will changing with your concussed mother. It's weirding me out. I'm not doing it. (laughs) I don't have a shirt, but I have morals. But I've got my dignity. Yeah. I said good day, ma'am. I said good day, Tosh. So the police really need to track down Tasha. Luckily, they don't have to wait long because she contacts the police herself. She comes into the station. She's desperate to see Emily, who apparently she hasn't seen since the morning of the murder. I don't know when that was. I don't know how many days have passed. Maybe 48 hours. We don't know. Where is the mother? The mother came in. We found her. Found. Where has she been? She, according to the detective, is calm, upset, neurotic, calm, crying. Repeat, repeat, repeat. And she nails it. She nails each one. She brings her A-game. Yes, she does. The actress nails it in her facial expressions because we're only, we're not hearing her voice. We're only seeing facial expressions. He says she's all over the map emotions-wise. I still think she has the it factor. I was a fan. Okay. Kimberly is a fan of Tosh. (laughs) Katie was not a fan. And I thought she had it. I was like, that kid? It's going to make it. Uh, I gave her a medium, mild. <laughs> I was like, I will be seeing her on the silver screen soon. So Tasha tells the police she left Emily with her mom and was driving to Oakland the day of the murder, apparently to go visit the USS Hornet. Sorry, I can't stop saying the name of the boat where Todd was working. She was going to. I know. I keep trying to think is a Hornet. Like if the I do too. Ho- I feel like it's important. <laughs> Should the hornet have been the creature of the week? Yes. Instead Kimberly. of a rat, because we've had insects before. Why do we have a rat? We don't know. The rat plays no it did the rat is not in a Wizard of Oz. Like it's frustrating. So But I mean, and you've said, oh, it means like that you're a rat. Oh, you're that was what we used to think. But now again, that would be apply to most episodes. Most episodes. So they have a rat. This has too many. This episode has so many themes. I mean, we have heavy Wizard of Oz theme. We have the rat and we have or mouse and mm-hmm. we've got the X's now. So it's a lot. And flowers. Don't forget the flowers. And flowers. Excuse me. I'm sorry. T- terribly sorry. I shouldn't have forgotten the flowers. So <laughs> so Tasha tells the police that she left Emily with her mom driving to Oakland the day of the murder, heard about her mom's murder, comes right back. And really quick, we get one shot here of a gray rat as we go into commercial. We haven't seen the rats in a minute. Oh. So all of a sudden they're back and then we go to commercial. And a gray one. And a gray one. Don't know what that means. Police don't have evidence to pin this murder on Tasha. How? We don't know. They don't have the evidence to pin it on Charles or Todd or anyone, to be honest. So 
Did they fingerprint the axe? Really good question. Or the gun? I think this is all much before they even started dealing with evidence. Okay. They're just hoping someone comes in and confesses. But okay. better than that, when Tasha came into the police station, they confiscated her phone. And here's when they start getting some very serious proof that Tasha had been scheming against her mom. So on Tasha's cell phone, they can see that she had set up her cell phone in the bedroom to record Judy going into the safe in her closet. Tasha was basically trying to record her mom entering the safe combo so that she could get the safe combination. Very clever, Tasha. I see you. Good job. Very clever. Not sure what she wanted in the safe. That kid's going to make it. What did she want in the safe? There's no, there's no gold in the safe. The gun. Okay. Or the camera to delete those photos of the garage that prove nothing. It's, just, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work when you can go and get a gun. It's a lot. <laughs> so the police confront her with this. Tasha gets really nervous and completely changes her story. She, so no more driving to Oakland. Now she says that ever since the book accident, her mom had become violent and vicious. And on the day of the murder, Tasha and her mom had had an argument and her mom had threatened her with an axe. That she had casually lying in her bedroom. Like she got hit on the head and then became a different person. Right. Like in the movies. Yes, exactly. Like on a soap opera where someone right. changes personalities after getting hit in the head. Yeah, or suddenly have another personality to go with the personality they had. They now have two. Two right. people living inside them. So Tasha says that when her mom came at her with the axe, she wrestled the axe away from her and then struck her mom with it. She claims it was self-defense. Judy gets up from the axe hit and keeps coming, like the Terminator, keeps coming after <laughs> Tasha. Tasha runs into the closet to hide, not out the bedroom door. She just runs into the closet. Miraculously, the safe happens to be open at that time. She grabs a gun, happens to grab the only gun that was loaded, even though mo the majority of the guns were unloaded, and shoots Judy with it twice. That kid's going to make it. Tasha... It's walking on sunshine. Everything she touches is gold. This is the that worst. That girl is a star. What a horrible story. Also, why is the axe in the bedroom? Why is the axe in the bedroom? Tasha. Okay. Why is the axe in the bedroom? Yeah, we really, Tasha needed to think through this story. Why did you save that video on your phone and then give your phone to the police? Also, would your phone track that you were going driving up to Sacramento or would it? Or down to Sacramento. Oakland. Or would it prove elsewise? And then you also just gave them your phone. Why also, what would you, if you were committing this crime, what did you think the police would think happened here? See? What did you think? The police had thought an intruder had come in and hit this old woman, taken nothing, but pulled up mm -hmm. her will on the computer yeah. and shot her twice, hit her with an axe. Mm -hmm. And run out of the house? And left the daughter there. Yeah, she did nothing to make it look like a stage burglary. Nothing. Nothing. I, okay, so. You gave them no choice. You made it look so obvious. It's really bad. She's arrested and charged with murder, thank God. At trial, the prosecution presents a very different story than the one I just told you. They say that Tasha was desperate. Todd was leaving. She had no job prospects. At any time during this episode that we know of. We don't even know what Tasha likes. We, we know nothing about Tasha. She could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood. She looks great. Pretty much. She could model lingerie for Macy's ads. And did I mention she has an it factor? 
that Katie disagrees with me very strongly about. Why do you keep bringing it up? I'm trying to ignore it and you keep bringing it up. I don't know. Because it's the one thing I noticed. <laughs> you like it that I don't think she does. I didn't notice anything about Wizard of Oz. I thought she was I thought she was pretty, but I've seen a lot of pretty actresses in these shows. So I guess I didn't notice anything special about Tasha. <sighs> I don't know what my problem was. Okay, so they think that Todd was leaving Tasha. She had no job prospects, crawled up into the attic to push the books on her mom's head. I don't know why. So they don't think t- Todd knew anything about the pushing of the books. Um, yes. Baloney. Baloney. Here's why. First of all, that legal pad with the little X's and the tic-tac-toe boxes, the little diagram of the garage was in their bedroom together, just sitting on the dresser, just sitting there. But again, it looks like doodle. So there's no way. And also Todd was how he got her got her actually into the garage. Judy was in the garage with Todd. She happened to be standing at the perfect spot. You don't think Todd kind of maneuvered Judy over there and said, hey, look against this wall. Well, that was very interesting because I thought they would have the reenactment having kind of finagling her more towards that X marks the spot place. But he doesn't really. She steps back totally on her own in the reenactment. So they could have put their own spin on it. If the director really thought Todd was involved, he would have had that actor gently move her towards that spot. No, litigious, litigious. Oh, I don't think they can because Todd hasn't been charged with anything. So maybe they're covering their bases. So we are led to believe Tasha is just laying in the garage waiting for her mom to happen upon that one square foot. Without being in cahoots with Todd, which is absolute baloney. There's no way that happened. And then he happens to leave and give himself an alibi. Right. Right when the actual murder happens. Ridiculous. But Judy survives the accident. And was now suspicious, and they tell us of Todd and Tasha, which there we go. So mm-hmm. Tasha confronts her mom later in a couple weeks after the accident in the bedroom while she had set her daughter up watching TV very loudly in the TV room with headphones drawing X pictures. So, <laughs> like a weird demon child. Very strange. Tasha confronts Judy. Judy tries to call 911. We hear the gunshot in the 911 call, but we do only hear one gunshot. So I'm thinking that first shot knocks the phone when it goes through the file folder. It knocks the phone out of the hand, somehow turns it off. I don't know what happened. Or what if she was shot, then calls 911? Yeah, because it looks like she was only shot through the hand, right? They tell us she was only shot through the hand the first time. So could have been that, that she... That's a very good point. Then she's shot again, and that's when she dies. Uh, Tasha immediately flees the home, leaves little Emily in the room, in the TV room, to find her grandmother dead in her bedroom. It's awful. Tasha's terrible. And thank God she's found guilty. She's sentenced to 45 years in prison. Also, she looks rough compared to the actress who smarkles. Well, the actor, the actress that is playing her is, sometimes they get it closer. This is not close. It could also be a bad picture, but I don't know. So also she Todd, and, rough. she did. Todd and Charles not charged with anything. We get a prison phone call between Tasha and Rolf. Rolf is back and she asks Aww. Rolf for money for the commissary. And it is very, is a very painful phone call because you hear how, 
pained Rolf is that she's asking for money. She's just a taker. She needs that ramen, girl. Man, no ramen for you, Tasha. You're a horrible person. But Emily's being raised by her dad, Charles, who we're led to believe is an okay guy. Yeah. And then we have our closing shots of the episode. So you would assume at this point that it's, you know, them playing with, you know, I don't know, a little dog named Toto or something Wizard of Oz themed or like a stuffed lion. No, they're back at the pet cemetery that they were at at the beginning. The creepy pet cemetery in the dark that they were at the beginning of the episode. That has nothing to do. Nothing. With anything. And they're burying something. What are they burying? A dead the rat? The evidence? Is it, I don't know. The evidence was, that Emily was actually the killer? Was I'll tell Tasha you why set I think up? Emily was the killer. Because when she goes to the neighbor's house and the neighbor says, are you okay, sweetie? What's going on? And she says, I'm okay, but my grandma's dead now. Which read Ooh. a little red room to me well with blood all over her mouth they don't set this <laughs> up well yeah they all don't over her face they really Grandma's don't dead it. now it's not set up great that's why children of the scorned because it's super creepy i really don't know and so they're burying something at the gravesite. memories something then she buried memories that's what the tagline should have been at like something brenda's closing remarks so then they stand up the, the little girl and the dad, and you can see that she's wearing little blue overalls, like little blue gingham overalls. And you're like, okay, well, at least she's dressed like Dorothy in the closing shot. But that's, we don't get a rat. We don't get an X. We get crosses that are in the ground. It would have been so much better if they just made the crosses X's something that denotes one of our themes from the episode. They close with no callbacks to any of our themes. I was like, Oh, they're just poor and they can't afford a headstone for grandma. Oh, my God. That's where grandma's buried and they're paying their respects because that's how little a pet cemetery has to do with the episode, except that Brenda says that it's a pet cemetery at the very beginning. Actual pet cemeteries are kind of pricey, I think. If you were oh, having sure. a pet buried in an actual cemetery, it's pricey. Also, Brenda says sometimes that mother-daughter bond can be twisted into a deadly noose. What does that mean? Save that line for an episode where there is a strangles- strangulation. Brenda, I'm not mad at you. I'm a little mad at you. Clearly was meant for another episode where someone is strangled or hung. Hanged. Oh my goodness. I don't What's know. What's going on? So the whole story, it definitely we're getting some pieces missing from this. The actual murder seems strange. The order of events with the double shots and the axe. We never know why she hits her with the axe except to maybe make sure she's dead. Or I don't know. Maybe it's like that other episode to make it look like there was an axe serial killer in but the town. Then, but she hit her with the blunt part of the axe, not like... An axe, not the sharp edge. Yeah, I never said Tasha was smart. I said she was pretty. No, she dumb. Anyways, it's another masterpiece of blood relatives. Well done. Did the hitting on the head have something to do with the scarecrow in the brain? The accident? The books on the head? And then the... No, because they really have the book in the head. The box of books... Is really the house falling. But like smarts, all he wants is a brain. Oh, it's a house falling. Okay. I mean, yeah. there's definitely strong overtones throughout A Wizard of Oz. 
I feel I was brilliant, brilliantly done. I just feel like we could have had one throwback at the very end to tie it all instead of a weird noose comment. I think they're right. just, I think they do. I think you're right. Because at the end, we hardly ever have a strong callback. We usually have a new animal or something very strange coming in at the end. I think you're right that it's pushing you into the next episode. Oh, so the whole series is one long series. Okay, so let's see. The next episode is called The Four Horsemen, and I've seen part of this. But I am wondering if we get a noose in the next episode. Or a dead pet. Yeah, something with a pet cemetery. Or flowers. No, stop. Because I'm still not letting go of the flowers. Okay, well, the internet will be with you. Why were there so many close-ups of the soil, Katie? And the orchids? To confuse you? They could have had Tasha doing anything. But after a scene of the mom in her garden in the attic with the orchids. Because that's what the mom loved. That's what the mom loved. So it's like the kids, they they did it outdoors and she had her beloved prized orchids in the attic. So it's supposed to say something about their relationship that she kind of wanted to follow in her mother's footsteps, but do it her own way. Oh my gosh, it's flowers in the attic. Okay, on that note, we have to go. I, I can't get into another thing. I can't. I, we can't do it. I can't. This episode is too long already. I We just have to. can't. But that's it. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to our double date. We hope you enjoyed it. Please check out our wonderful sponsors and check us out on Patreon and on social media. Perfect. And watch Blood Relatives and let us know what you think of the clues, please. Please. We got to save Chad, you guys. We do. He's out there. He's waiting for us. He needs us. He needs us. (laughs) Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.